Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Sometimes in our lives when we're not right with God and we're in conflict with God, God's like, man, God's not going to stop working on you guys, on me too, right? God's not going to stop doing the things. God's like, I'm going to prepare situations that are going to bring out in you what's there so you can see it and I'm I'm working on you. I want to bring you back where you need to be. And so what you can do is learn quickly, submit quickly, be an easy, you can be a quick worker with the Lord. I get it, Lord, I submit quickly. When there's something that you really don't want to do, how do you handle it? Do you push it off until it's too late? Ignore it completely. Facing difficult situations can be one of the most frustrating things we have to deal with in life and today. Pastor Bill wants you to know that letting God take control is the most freeing thing you can do to deal with these difficult situations. When you surrender to God and live in the path that He has laid out, you don't have to face conflict alone. Let God take your burdens. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Jonah chapter 4. As he continues his message, A Heart of Conflict. I was called to be a pastor. I was on my way to being a pastor. And God's a pastor can't be a striker. So if somebody yelling at you, make you want to swing on them, you'll be fired before you start. So go ahead and learn how to get yelled at and take it like a man. And I'm telling you that God used him to show me something that was really wrong with me still and make me better. This is the problem. There were many months why I wasn't worried about me at all. I'm good. There was many months where guess who had the problem? All I could see was him. He have a problem. He supposed to be this. He should know better. He's, you know, that, that's all I could see. And I remember it took a long time for the Lord to bring it around and say, look at you. Look at your flesh. Look, you angry. Are you mad? You mad. You want to hit somebody? Really? At church? You know, like just look at what you're contemplating doing. With this. That's you. So maybe you're in conflict and God's got somebody that if you let God do his perfect work, you guys, you'll one day thank God for the people that are just, they're shaving away the stuff that don't look like Jesus that's in you. And, and I kid you not, yeah, I praise God for that because later on, as I went on staff as a pastor, I had a man in my office, a big man who was bipolar and we were cool most of the time, but on this particular day, he came in my office and was real emotional, started yelling and flailing his arms. And again, he's a big guy. So I had to stand up in my office. And again, I'm like, if he was a small guy, I would say, well, I'll wait until he do something. But he was a very big guy. And I'm like, I think in, a, on the wrong, in the wrong era of my life, I would have felt like I had to go first. But I felt like God had given me victory. He yelled. I, I stood up. I didn't say anything to make him yell more. I, I, you know, I, we, I said, let's, let's go outside. You're, you're, you're too loud to be in the office. We walked outside. We got out to the sidewalk. And I just left him there. Left him out on the sidewalk. and said, I, I don't have to stay and hear you yell. I didn't touch you. You didn't touch me. I'm going to close the door and we're done. It was over. Total victory, you know. God would give me opportunities to, to walk that out. I, I would felt like I was delivered. I, I went home. I said, yeah, I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not done yet. So let God have his perfect work, though, you know. Um, if, if there's things that God is using, uh, again, in every situation, we want to come back to a place where it's like, God, what's your word say? I said, how, how, how does your word tell me to handle this? If you're too emotional and angry, then find someone out of your emotional state that's spiritually strong enough that can say what you need to hear without siding with you. Some of y'all got friends that are weaker than you. 
And you will tell them, girl, this person did this to me. And they're like, oh, I can't believe that. That's wrong. <laughs> Those people aren't helpful for your walk with Jesus. Right. I got people in my life that it seems like no matter what I tell them, they find the wrong in me. I'm like, man, have a little mercy on them, brother. You know, but. Hey, those are the friends I need, though. I need people like that in my life. I need men in my life that'll say, hey, this is probably what you should do and just come at me and give it to me. And so I thank God for those kind of people that'll tell me what God's word says that that keeps me accountable and keeps me in the right place. So moving on, Jonah's mad because everything he wanted or needed from God in chapter two, God did for them. And he's, he's is upset about it. look at verse three now. It said, therefore, now, oh, Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And he's going to say this again in verse eight. Uh, He said it in verse one. Jonah's, I don't know if he's an emotional guy or what, but he's so upset that he's like, I just would rather die. It just bothers me so much, God, that that you forgave them. I just want to die. I just would rather die then. And again, I know that there are some people that struggle with those kind of thoughts. There are people that are so discontent with certain aspects of their life that they're like, man, God, because that's happening. I just rather not be here. I just rather die. But here, here's the thing. That's another place where Jonah's in conflict with God. God doesn't want him dead. God's preserved him with a great fish. God's like, it's not time for you to die, bro. You're going to be here for a minute. It's it's another place where he's in conflict with God. There are people that are in that conflict with God. God has said, I want you to live. And they're saying, I don't want to live like this. God's like, I want you to live like this. I want you to let me minister to you so you can live like this. I'm going to help you in your life like this. No, I don't want to live like this. It's another conflict with God. It's a deep one. It's a real one. It's a very real one that people battle with and struggle with. Once again, in that place, we want to find ourselves submitting to God. God, if it's your will that I be here under these circumstances, in this particular situation, then show me what to do. Show me how to live like this. There's a, a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata. She, when she was a young girl, uh, jumped into a pool and uh, broke her neck or her spine or whatever and is in a chair from the neck down and she had thoughts like this and struggles like that and you know she knows the Lord and what God did in her life was she took her battle her struggle and turned it into a, a worldwide ministry uh, my wife and I've gone to several years they do a, a camp a family camp for families that have kids with disabilities we went with Billy with autism there are kids there with, you know, quadriplegia, kids in chairs, kids with cerebral palsy and everything else. And families are trying to learn how to deal with it, blindness, deafness, you name it. And she's taken her deep hurt and said, instead of me sitting here wishing I could be dead, wishing I could have my life back, wishing I could do what I can't do. I'm going to give this to the Lord. I'm going to give my pain. I'm going to give my She's giving it to the Lord. I'm telling their lives that are saved. I went to a couple of those retreats to be the pastor of the retreats. And I looked at some of the most desperate parents i looked at i mean there are dads there that their kids can't do anything they can't move there i mean imagine your your kid growing up 12 13 years old everything you still are doing they can't do anything but breathe and, and it's all on you and just the weight and the pressure and they're these are broken human beings and why would god allow this and why and why and why and there are people there that needed the gospel there are people there contemplating their own death there, there are people there contemplating you name it they needed god And she created a scenario. They do the camp at Murrieta out in California, but they do them all over the world. All year round, they're happening. And people are getting saved. And people are receiving comfort from God. And I'm looking at this woman who still today, she's older. She has pain. She's still in a chair. She has all kinds of needs. And she's going around the world. And she's making sure that she's writing devotionals for other people. Her life, that's an amazing woman of God. And what God is doing through her. And she's what it, it was born out of her hurt. 
So rather than death, God gave her life and she's living that life for him, which is what we want to do. God's given you life, then you want to live that life for him. Amen? And don't live it for him just a little bit. Live it to the fullest. Make it count. Her life counts. If she were gone tomorrow, her life will be counting 20 years from now. Make sure your life counts. Make sure it counts right now for the Lord. And make sure that when you're gone, it's still going to be counting. That you're, you're making an impact. That you're, whatever God's put around you that you can do, you do it for him. Make an impact. Amen? Moving on now. So verse uh, 4. Then the Lord asked Jonah a question. He said, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be mad, Jonah? He's going to ask him that a second time. And it's, it's obviously not right. But, you know, God is asking him a searching question. Is it right for you to be angry after all I've done for you? God didn't say that, but that's what I hear. Is it right for you to be after I forgave you in chapter two? Didn't you just get vomited out of the belly of a great fish? Didn't I just save you out of the sea? Now you mad because I saved them? Is it right for you? Is this, is this okay? And some of y'all that are angry with situations, that's a good question for you. Is it right for you to be angry? Really? Sometimes I forget who I am and what I need from God and be mad at some size of God. I think God would say that to many of us. Is it right for you to be mad? You really need to be happy. You really need to be thankful. You really need to be praising me for who I am and what I've done in your life. Is it right for you to be mad? What are you angry about today? And is it right for you to be angry about it? Do you have any business being angry about it. Verse five. So Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city and there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And I believe Jonah sat down under this tree saying, you know what? Maybe God's still going to judge them in 40 days. You know, I'm going to just sit. Jonah went and got him a front row seat, found him a place in the shade. And said, I'm going to just sit here and see what's going to happen. I think Jonah was hoping that I hope that this is a short-lived repentance and that God still smites them with fire and tears up the place. So that's what he did. It said he said he went and found himself a seat in the shade that he might see what would become of the city. Is anybody here waiting to see somebody else's demise? Are you sitting around hoping it goes bad for somebody else, not taking any active steps to intervene and help them? Um, that's not God's heart, right? What Jonah's doing here going to sit back and see what goes wrong. That's not God's heart. That's not what God would do. God wouldn't sit back and hope that it goes bad for somebody else. Uh, he wouldn't do that. And so if that's you, if you've seen somebody in the messed up and you're like, ooh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see what happens. Ooh, they, get, ooh, they, get, they got called in. Ooh, you know, if you're one of those, don't be like that. Don't be like that. God don't like ugly. <laughs> that's ugly. Don't be that. Verse five, verse six now. And the Lord God prepared a plant. And made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from the from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So check this out. In chapter one, God prepared a great fish while Jonah holds, spared his life. Now God's going to prepare a few more things. First, it says Jonah's sitting there. It's hot. It's a desert area. And he's found himself somewhere to sit. He's he really waiting to see what happens to him. It says God prepared this, this some plant. That came up over him and provided shade. And look what it says. Jonah was very grateful for the plant. And I, I read that and I just thought, now he's not happy for what he should be happy for. Right. The salvation of thousands of people. But he's happy about this little temporary shade from this plant. But do you know that's what people look like today? There are people that don't rejoice over what God rejoices over, but they rejoice in some temporary thing. Get some new thing 
and rejoice over it. Some new covering, some new car, some new place to live, some new thing. And that'll be the source of, oh, I'm so happy I got this new thing. God's like, but I'm, I want this over here. And you don't care about that? Be careful that, again, I believe Jonah's in conflict because his heart's just not aligned with God. Here's another place where Jonah's heart's not aligned with God. He's, he's happy for the wrong stuff. I'm not saying he shouldn't be happy for the plant, but it just seems wrong to be happy about a plant that brings him shade and not be happy about the salvation of thousands of people, right? The thing that makes Jonah happy is the thing that brings him relief, that does, brings what he wants to himself. And um, we got to be careful about that, right? This is, a, this is a selfish man. This tree came up, and just like it said, that it was an emphatic statement in verse 1 where it said it, it displeased him exceedingly. Well, now here, this is emphatic too. He was very grateful for a stupid plant that came up in one day to cover him. Look at verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and it damaged the plant that it, so that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared again a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, is God playing games with Jonah? <laughs> no, but God is sovereign. And this is what you need to catch here. These things aren't random. God is preparing these things to expose Jonah. These are seem to be negative events. Oh, there's a shade. Yay. There's a worm that eats a tree and it goes away. And now he's like, ah, the tree is gone. He ticked off that the tree is gone. And I just want to die. This is crazy. Like the tree died. Now he wants to die because my shade is gone. He only had it for a day. This <laughs> is crazy, you know, so. But God is exposing again, exposing what's happening in his heart. Sometimes God is creating scenarios in our life. God is in his sovereignty. God has prepared situations for you to expose us, to show us. And so, you know, God said, I prepared the tree, bring the shade. I know you'd appreciate it. Then I prepared the worm to eat the tree so it'd be gone. And then I prepared the vehement east wind to bring the heat real hot and nasty your way. So you could be like, ah, and, and so God prepared all this to expose to bring out, to show what was there. Sometimes in our lives when we're not right with God and we're in conflict with God, God's like, man, I, God's not going to stop working on you guys, on me too, right? God's not going to stop doing the things. God's like, I'm going to prepare situations that are going to bring out in you what's there so you can see it and I'm, I'm working on you. I'm, I want to bring you back where you need to be. And so what you can do is learn quickly, submit quickly, be an easy, you can be a quick worker with the Lord. I get it, Lord. I submit quickly. Uh, or you could be a hard nut and God, God have to keep working on you and, and, and doing things to bring you, bring you back to where you need to be. You want to make yourself easy with the Lord. God, if you show me, I'm going to just submit. All you got to do is speak it to the word, put it on my spirit, put it in my mind, uh, and I will yield and submit and obey it. You don't want to be difficult because God will prepare circumstances. God will do that in our lives. Things that will test our hearts and reveal our hearts uh, and show what's in them. And so, you know, as I, I look at this, um, I remember, you know, when, when my wife and I were, when the kids were smaller, Harmony was a little girl. I remember how old she was. This It was a Christmas. And she had wanted this American Girl doll. And it was, I, I didn't know, you know, I'm not a doll person, but it ended up being this ridiculous, for a doll, it was a very expensive doll. I'm like, that is ridiculous. That, that doll cost that much money. And so... Um, we weren't going to get it. Then we ended up getting it. And then my wife, 
who's not normally a prankster. My wife was like, oh, I got this great idea. You know, so she was, that was all she wanted at crib, this one American girl doll. So we had it put away somewhere and the kids opened up whatever gifts. Mika had went to like Walgreens and she bought some cheap porcelain, weird looking doll and wrapped it up. And so gave it to Harmony last. And you know that her heart was hoping to open up this American girl doll. And she opened up this ugly little porcelain thing. And uh, and I'll never forget, you know, I'm like, how, what if we ruined it? It's, it's really not nice that we did that to her. But her, her heart was, it was so sweet. She opened it up. Now, I know that's not what she wanted. And I don't even think she was truly thankful for it. But she received it. She smiled. She's like, thank you so much. She gave us hugs and kisses and said thank you. And she went, I'm like, we messed up for that. We wrong for that, you know. <laughs> then we gave her her real gift. But my wife was like, now, if she had a fell out or had a bad attitude or been like, that's not what I wanted. You think she'd have got that American Girl doll? No, it would expose something that, you, you know, something that wasn't right. I still don't know if we should have did that. I'm blaming that one on my wife. But, uh... <laughs> We got a good story because she handled it well. Her heart was revealed that she was more concerned about not hurting our feelings, you know. And I'm like, man, you buy, I, I, you know, buy her some accessories for the doll now, you know. So God knows how to bring about circumstances that expose what's in our hearts. And that's what God does here in Jonah. He's not playing games. God cares about Jonah's heart. God knows that Jonah's heart is at conflict with him. It's not right with him. And God said, I'm going to bring these scenarios about, I'm going to expose you, and then I'm going to say something to you. Look at what God has to say to Jonah. Verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, second time he asked this question, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry? I'm, I'm sorry, Jonah says, and, and he answered her, he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. I'm looking at how Jonah talks to the Lord, and I'm like, you can be glad God is patient. Some of y'all kids can't talk to you like that. Are you mad? Yeah, I'm mad. You know, some of they, they'll be, we'll be calling the people on y'all. Y'all will be, be picking up teeth off the floor and everything else. So I'm looking at this and just thinking, God is, God is gracious and he's slow to anger. We can, very, we can be very glad about that. He said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. Verse 10, God says, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? God says, Jonah, is it right for you to be mad? And he takes it further this time. He says, is it right for you to be mad about that plant? You, did you plant that plant? No, you didn't. It's not like you labored for it. You didn't put the seed in the ground and water it and watch it grow. It came up in a night, and it died in a night. And you're, you're, are you mad about that? And you're not mad. You, you don't care about you, have, you don't have pity on Nineveh. And this is what he says about Nineveh. He says there's a, a 100. He says there are more than 120,000 persons who can't discern between the right and left hand. What is he talking about? Babies, kids, um, those that they don't even know the right hand from the left hand yet. He says you, you don't have pity. God said, I have pity on them. The mercy I'm showing them, the mercy I'm showing to these people, I have pity on the, the un, I have pity on those that, that don't even know what's going on yet. He said, you don't have pity on them? You don't care? You don't have a heart, Jonah? And God says, is it, is it right for you to be mad? And God said, and the livestock, right? I guess God cared about the animals too. You know, God said, you don't have any mercy. You don't have any pity on them. I care. I care about that. I care about them. Why don't you? Now, I usually would 
come to the end of the book of Jonah and say, you know, Jonah just seemed like he never got it, right? It didn't look like he ever, in the book, we don't ever get a turnaround. We don't ever get Jonah turning around, you know, like, I'm reading the end of the book and just saying, like, I don't even know how, like, how come God picked him? How come God used him? He just seemed like a really messed up guy. You know, his heart just not right. Here's the thing that I, I this, is a, the, this go round, I had to consider. Now, we don't, it doesn't tell us explicitly that Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. I personally, after studying, looking and going over back, I believe Jonah did write the book of Jonah. A lot of it, uh, there are other prophets that wrote, wrote their books in the third person. Some of the events and things that are spoken are unique and personal. And, you know, he had all kind of insight and detail about being in the belly of the fish and covered up with the seaweed and everything. Nobody else was in there with him. You know, so I, I'm looking at this and thinking it could be that Jonah in writing this is displaying that there, there at some point came a change of heart because who would expose themselves like this? He didn't lie at all. He didn't he didn't front about his flaws. Jonah said, I got mad at God. I did. I, you know, he put it out there. And this is what I, I wanted to, as we as we wrap this up. One of the greatest, the greatest sign, I guess you could say, that, that someone's genuine in repentance is that they're not hiding it or covering it or or excusing it. It's always bothers me when someone's, you know, caught in sin or dealing with sin, but they got a reason for it. If you can excuse your sin. You can't really repent and excuse it at the same time. If you still give kind of some shade to your sin. Well, yeah, you know, I kind of got in the flesh, you know. No, you got in the flesh. Yeah. You didn't kind of yeah. get in the, you got in the flesh. You fleshed out. Just say what you did. I got in the flesh. I said the wrong thing. I cussed somebody out and I was all wrong the whole time. It's all me. I'm wrong. That's what repentance sounds like and looks like. And this is a thought. It could be that in Jonah writing these things down, it, it may be. I, I have hope that maybe at some point the brother said, man, I, you know, Come to a point of understanding better because I do learn a lot about God in this book. Jonah did, he definitely did this. If he did write this book, he definitely didn't write it to promote himself. He didn't write this book so you could be like, wow, wow, Jonah, that was a, that was a, no one reads this book and says, let's be more like Jonah, you know? <laughs> there ain't no, what would Jonah do bracelets going around, you know? That wasn't the goal of him writing this. I do learn that God is gracious and merciful. I do learn from his error and his mistake that I need to have a heart for the lost. I do learn from him that God is sovereign. And even if I try to get away, God won't let me get away. I learned from Jonah in chapter one that if I try to go against what God wants me to do, that God is sovereign, that I'm, I'm going to God will eventually bring me around. and It'll probably cost me something in the exchange. I learned from Jonah's life in chapter two that when I really repent, God really forgives. I learned from Jonah in chapter three that God gives us new chances to do what he called us to do. As Jonah got a second chance to, to go and do what God had called him to do. And I learned from Jonah in chapter four that the reason a person's heart can be at conflict with God or just their hearts are at conflict. Why was he so discontented? Why was he angry in verse one, ready to die in, in verse three and ready to die again in verse eight? That just sounds so unhappy and conflicted. It's because he wasn't right with God. And, and, I, and there may be people here today that your life is like that. Just so much conflict, so much unrest and lack of peace. Could it be that you haven't, you're just not aligned with the Lord? Because if it is, and if you can admit it and acknowledge it, you can get right with the Lord today. Um, when we turn to him, he receives us. We confess our sins, he forgives us. When I repent, God receives my repentance, right? It's, it's really between me and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. We can get right. If there's any part of your life that 
you find today, man, I'm, I'm not right with God in this. And I've been blaming this person. I've been blaming that scenario. I've been blaming this thing. But it, it, as it all comes down, my heart's just not right with the Lord. And I want to repent of that today. I, I want today for us to be a day where we can repent and get right. We can lay it down today. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word. As he teaches through the book of Jonah, this book may seem a bit extraordinary, a giant fish swallowing a man, but it's true. And God orchestrated the whole story. In fact, he knew how the whole thing would play out from the beginning. God is constantly in control, and he's in control of the world now. You may not be able to see beyond the chaos, beyond the storms that brew all around, but God does. He knows how things are going to turn out, and he's continually rescuing his people from danger. Trust him and follow him, no matter what. We're so glad you tuned in today. The message you just heard is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And we would love for you to be a part of our time of worship and Bible study. You can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Jonah next time on A Transforming Word.